welcome back to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from a ferry crossing Edgartown Harbor from Martha's Vineyard to Chappaquiddick Island, and this is Season 3, Episode 11. Today's episode is about fun. Finding fun, having fun, being fun. It's about being serious but not taking ourselves too seriously. It's about golf that's fun without any of the other stuff that gets in the way. Just fun. To illustrate that point that golf is fun, in this episode, I speak with Brad Woodger, operator of the Royal and Ancient Chappaquiddick Links, located on Chappaquiddick Island in the Nantucket Sound, just south of Cape Cod up there in Massachusetts. Royal Chappie, as it's lovingly referred to, is a nine-hole par 29 golf course that, while bordering on obscure, captures the attention and the affection of all of those fortunate enough to make the pilgrimage to play it. Honestly, it's a living case study in duality. Because while the narrative about the course that Brad presents through social media and the course website and even in person and the branded merchandise that's available is all quite over the top, the beauty of the course is that it's absolutely not over the top. It's natural. It's simple. It's truly a come-as-you-are, stay-as-you-like type of place. While some might see a small course rough around the edges, the keen observer sees a passion project that's focused on what's important and truly forsaking all the rest. Before we dive into my favorite conversation of 2021, remember that you're invited to interact with this show on Twitter at Blind Shots Pod, as well as over on Instagram. The show is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, where you find the finest golf podcasts for the serious golfers. The guys keep cranking out really good stuff on the Good Good Golf podcast, so give that a listen when you can. Also, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes and also work with investors and businesses on their commercial property needs here in central Kentucky. You can find all my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. If you have a real estate question, just want to know what a realtor can do for you, reach out to me and we can start a conversation. The coffee is always free. Finally, a heads up. That at the time of recording, Brad had been battling a travel-induced cold for going on two weeks. He gave me his absolute best effort, for which I'm grateful, and I in turn gave him my best editing. So just be patient with the audio. And with that, here's Brad Woodger of the Royal and Ancient Chappaquiddick Links. Um, the bus is still here, by the way. Good. I can't even. I can't even really give it away. So <laughs> probably, <laughs> I probably spoke too soon. It's that the you know whatever that Mark Twain thing was that the uh, reports of my death have been exaggerated. Yeah, greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Um. Well, let, let me start with this one. When the Royal and Ancient Chappaquiddick Links received that royal designation, how big was that after party, and have you recovered from it yet? It was. Um. You know we. Honestly, it wasn't that big because we try and keep things kind of low key and it just attracts a lot of attention. We don't try and stay out of the press a little bit, Uh, but it was, you know, it was substantial. It had a lot of dignitaries, but um, I try and I I stay pretty sober at those events just so I can keep things, keep things moving along. Somebody has to be so, but yeah. What is, this is something I've always been curious about. Um, with the clubs that have a Royal connection, what is the dress code when a, a member of the Royal family is in town playing? Does, does the jacket come off the wall uh, at that point or? Uh... Yeah, it's, it's awkward um, because 
um, you know, when royalty does come, it's it is it's difficult to enforce the dress code. Um, but we do, you know, we have the jackets available so that they can put those on. Um, but they, yeah, they do have some privileges. Uh, but you know, we're in every man's course, so that's that's very true. Yeah. Um, yes. Speaking about the course, nine holes uh, as constructed. Is that an original design, or was that renovated somewhere along the line? Yeah, so it is. Um, it's largely original. It is the third incarnation, really. the The original incarnation was twenty four holes um, when my great grandfather laid it out. Um, but he had uh, hundreds of acres at his disposal, and the and the chappy was pretty much just a sand plane. So there were many things you had to work around. It was just laid out, and they had sand greens at one point. Um, I still there's still some evidence of that. But then when it went dormant uh, in the 30s and 40s, that just sort of went away. And, it, and then Chappie became more treed. So, you know, if you leave anything on Chappie now, uh, within a year, it'll be 90% bittersweet and thorns and stuff like that. So, um, but my grandparents came back to it in the mid 50s. And so basically, holes the two the three new holes that we put in are one seven and eight the other holes are exactly as they laid out um just rerouted and we did we we, we renovated it in the sense that we you know we did a zero balance sort of thing where they came in scraped everything up screened it put it back down seeded it um and we put in new irrigation, but uh, so the greens and the tees were renovated, but they're still, you know, far from USGA standards. Well, you know, you mentioned USGA standards. It's scorecard length 1325 for nine, <laughs> actual length 1335. There's there's a there's an angel share in there, which is great. How short can <laughs> you get that for a championship? Do you move those tees up for events? <laughs> I had a guy from the, I think it was the Mass USGA said that there, I think it was to get some sort of rating. We would have to get like another 200 holes out of it or something. <laughs> um, so, but he said we could do it. You know, we would just put the tees and the, the shells in the, in the woods, but um, yeah, it's not a long course, but um, I think that uh, we've had a lot of interest from, from the PGA, but we'll, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into that, David. So, yes, it, yes, it is. Um, you know, you've got one of the best clubhouse and pro shop setups anywhere on the East Coast, um, for my money. Very reminiscent. I, I've, I've done a brief tour of a very small area in Scotland to play golf several years ago. Uh, was there a, a specific inspiration for the infrastructure out there at Royal Chappie? Uh, as far as the buildings go, um, the inspiration was uh, limits on money <laughs> uh, and limits of what I can do. So mostly everything that's on the course is within my wheelhouse, right? So the clubhouse is a Sears shed that I cut out windows and, you know, made it a little more interesting. Um, and then the, the, um, the uh, crow shop is another prefab that we sort of retrofitted, but, it, I think that kind of, I mean, that's always sort of been my feeling with this is that if I can't do it, 
and it becomes less handmade, then it loses some of its character. So I think that's what sort of appeals to people too, though, is that it's, it, it is an elaborate, you know, so and it, it does have that sort of handmade quality. Um, but yeah, the inspiration I did, of course, I toured Europe, um, but I think I took it mostly from the Middle East and when I was in uh, Dubai. My brother, my brother lives in Dubai. He's going to get a does he really? out of that. He does. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, a $50 green fee. Now, what does that entitle someone to at the Royal Chappie experience? It had to be hard to convince membership to allow outside play. I mean, $50 for, for nine or 18 or 36 or 54 yeah. holes is just stealing out there. As far as I can tell. It is basically. Yeah. It, um, people get absolutely nothing except the golf. Uh, and it's, um, it's actually been a bit of an effort to convince people that that is the price. Uh, there's, a, there's, there's, there's less of it now as it's been more established, but there's a lot of haggling that goes on, uh, when people show up and, uh, I'm, I'm good cop, so I'm pretty malleable, but anybody else there enforces that strictly. And, uh, so yeah. And, and then the membership, um, you know, they meet once a month. <laughs> they, there is no, there is no oversight to any of this. Um, I think the membership is happy for anything that, uh, keeps their membership price down. And, and really that the day play that we have, I'd say it's almost, 70 percent of the income for the course that's well i mean you i can imagine the high season you're just just cranking people out through there you know you're you're golf on an island you have i guess you're really the only game on chappaquiddick island but that puts you in pretty good company with your neighbors you know you've got fisher's island and some other exclusive island courses that are only accessible by ferry or, or private boat how is your maintenance staff held up under the weight of this? I mean, that's got to be pretty hard to keep it as, as brown and green as everybody likes it out there. Yeah, that is, that is, that's a good, that's a good question. A good point, David, is that um, the fairways uh, keeping them that hue of sort of okra is a constant struggle. Uh, <laughs> I, I work on those quite a bit. People that's behind the scenes. People don't see that. Uh and my staff, um, which involves myself and uh, some of my other selves, is they—they—they uh, they don't hold up well. <laughs> they're overworked, they're overtaxed, but uh, but it, it, it somewhat seriously is one of the things that's that's, and we don't we can never really crank people out just just by the the limitations of what the the size of the course and also just don't have that big of a population that will come over whether that ferry line come over and play but it's i try and manage expectations because as much as people come there and they you know it's not a huge amount 50 bucks but as much as they come out and they know it's a links or whatever style course they've made an effort to get there so it's you know i want to give them something you know, I want to reward them in some way for deciding to play Chappie instead of, you know, Farm Neck or Mink Meadows or Edgartown, you know. So we try and try and, uh, you know, ramp up the fun quotient. But, um, yeah, it's a uh, island courses have their own unique set of difficulties.
I understand. Did that answer your question? It did. It dodged it I don't artfully. know if I'm answering any of your questions, but... It, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> is there an established nine-hole record for this There score? is. Yes, that is another good question. That was... I was, I was um, witness to that, um, and that was a 23, six under. That was shot by my brother, Kent. Um, now... Were you caddying for him that day? Because that's incredible. Yeah, well, he, he, we played when he, he apparently G or he worked for G and but the government, but um, somehow I guess they were okay with him taking two months off in the summer. <laughs> he was working <laughs> from home, but so he was, we would go out and play maybe 90 holes in four hours. So he had a lot of opportunity and then he was around long you know, before too, he, he's, he, he's unfortunately deceased, but he had played the course more than anybody. So if somebody was going to set the record, it was going to be him, but it's funny because he had a hole in one, the round just before he shot the 23. So you would think that that would have included the hole in one, but it, it, it wasn't. And he chipped, he chipped in twice. He was just a, he was sort of like a robot. He, 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 he was dialed in. That is 23. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, is there a traditional hole-in-one celebration unique to Royal Chappie? No. Okay. No, because that would take effort on my part. <laughs> so people tell me that they got a hole-in-one, and I act excited, and then I move on. <laughs> uh, occasionally, I usually tell them, I usually, sometimes I'll take a picture and say I'll post it on Instagram, and I do maybe 10% of the time. So the celebration is really up to them. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Reginald, what is his story? He's been scrubbed from the history books down here as a heretic. So uh, you find information <laughs> on him is, it is difficult. Yeah, that is. And you really, you really won't, um, for a lot of reasons, but, uh, yeah, well, obviously his, you know, he goes way, way back. He proceeds even the start of the course really. So, um, he, he comes from a, you know, a Royal line of crows and, uh, but he's not friendly at all. So it's very difficult to get any accurate information from him. So, uh, but he, he, I think if you've been, you, which you've played the course and you know, uh, if you've been in there in the evening or in the morning, the crows really do are, they are the royalty of the course and they let you know it. They are dominant uh, in any bird or person that gets in their territory uh, they get told about it. And so that's, that's mostly what Sir Reginald does is just keep that under wraps. Do they take a commission? The crows here can get aggressive in that if you, <laughs> if you grab something at the turn or halfway house and leave it in your cart, they're gone like Robin hood with it. Oh yeah. No, you can, you can't even leave your windows open in your car and in their parking lot with any sort of food. They will, they will gladly take that. So yeah, they take their, they, they get, they get their fees in one way or another the what is the best feedback you've gotten that you can think of from somebody that that's visited Royal Chappie <sighs> and did that happen before or after they played the course <laughs> uh, yeah that's a good you know I, I it, it would be nice if something came right to mind <laughs> but uh I I think 
it's it's a fairly consistent feedback. I don't think there's I, like been a unique feedback. Um, I guess the best feedback I get is that they're surprised at how much they enjoyed it. So they weren't expecting a short course to be that interesting or that challenging. Um, so that that was, you know, gosh, that was really fun. And really the best compliment I can get is that they go around again or they go around and they play 27 or they come back the next day. So that says a lot to me, you know, the, the people that I know aren't exactly thrilled with it, which are very, 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 very small percentage, David. But the ones that I say, hey, how was it? And they're like, it was interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Well, I'll, I'll spoil you with this one because I was working on a story and was privileged to, to speak with an architect, a guy named Jim Urbina who's working actually over in Martha's Vineyard. And so he had been around and he toured all the courses and he got out there one day. He did. I saw him. And I asked him kind of about the vibes of all the different courses there on, on both islands. And he said the one that got to him, the only one he took out his camera and took pictures of was Royal Chappie. He said yeah. when he walked up to the woodshed and he looked at the jacket they'd hung up and the shirts and the paraphernalia and he wondered what in the hell are they trying to do here? What are they trying to say? Then he spoke to you and he went and walked around and he figured it out. He figured out what you were kind of trying to say the, you know, take it for what it is, go play golf and have fun. And that really struck him. And he has remembered it fondly to this day. And he kind of sings the the praises of it um, unsolicited. So that's terrific. And you know, that, that, that does resonate with me in the sense that I, I, I get the feeling that people that really love the game, it tends to, resonate as much if not more with them so they, they see something that they've had enough experience with golf they've seen enough things to recognize its specialness i guess yeah. he, you know he that's a guy that has a backdoor past any course in the country that he wants he yeah. can see as fancy a place as he wants um he has, has built some incredible things but that and I'm a big proponent of short courses. You know, I, we, my group just went down to Pinehurst and, you know, I think the cradle, we had more fun going around the cradle three times than maybe any of the 18 hole courses. There's a, a little seven hole course that I visited this summer down in Appalachia that absolutely knocked my socks off about a, it was about a month before we came up North to see you guys. Um, yeah, but that, yeah. that hour of it's not hit and giggle. Because it is real. I mean, your greens there, you have real golf greens. There are, you've got some blind shots. You've got to hit over some cedar trees. You got a little, you know, little punch bowl effects and things. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not putt putt. It's not, it, there is a, an authenticity to it that I think golfers, if they're really honest, appreciate. Uh, can I quote you on that, David? Sure. Misquote. <laughs> I, you, you can probably write it up better than I can say it. So misquote me. No, on that. that was. That was that was well said, and that's um, and that's important to me because I do put a lot of effort into making it playable, you know. And so I don't have a lot of turf I have to manage, so I can really, you know, the greens are my babies. They're like nine separate kids, and uh, so yeah, some people I think they they don't mean it to be disparaging, but it's you know like that hit and giggle type of thing. I don't. I'm not thrilled with that description, you know, so because it does, it's, it makes it seem more of a lark than an actual 
golf course, you know, an actual table because I've played it so many times. I've played with so many people and you get into it. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's, I'm as into playing golf there in the game and the challenge and the competition as I am on any 18 hole course. The only difference is most people, most men anyway, aren't going to hit driver oil chappy, but otherwise all the other good stuff is there. You know, you're, yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's, it's, there's, that's the, that is a limiting factor. Um, but, you know, it does, it really, you're going to be lights out from 160 yards in when you go, when you translate your game somewhere else. And I will just say that the kid that worked for me starting about five years ago, he worked for me for three years. They were sort of gypsy-ish and they settled down Chappie for the summer. And they really wanted him to learn golf. He was 15. And he, he helped me out in the clubhouse, but he played golf like every afternoon. He got his teaching pro license or whatever that's called this year. No kidding. He became so good. Yeah. We called him baby giraffe because he was like six foot five and a hundred pounds. But, but it, it does say something that you can play there and really get enough experience that you can work on your game that it does translate. Yeah. And it, I, I joked about the, the tour in Scotland deal, but that's, you know, that's the way they play the game over there. It's all about learning to hit shot. It's not, it's not play with your head down and keep a score zealously. It's learn how to hit shots in all conditions under all lives. There's no, there's no breakfast balls. There's no foot wedges. You, you hit the ball, you hit it again until it's in the hole and you can do that at Royal Chappie. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's, it's a, you know, my brother, my Kent, the record setter, uh, because he, he, he was a real golfer and he played a lot of courses and stuff. So I was always a little, when he played, you know, on Chappie, I'd be making, you know, I'd say, oh, this isn't this way. And I wish this was this way. And he said, Brad, that's the game of golf. You know, you, that's what you want. You want to play with what you're given. That's what you're given. You play with that. You make the best of it. And that's, that's golf. So that helped me a lot moving forward, actually, because I, I, I didn't sweat as much. Some of the details that I began to appreciate more just all the different variations of what, you know, what, what the land can bring to the game. So it's very cool. You guys, you are close enough to the water. There is uh, are shifting sands and moving pieces part of it there, or is you, do you have enough turf established native, you know, you, you said thorns would come up if you didn't mow it essentially for a little while. Right. Um, right. We were there on a calm, sunny summer day. So how, yeah. how extreme does, does that land get it um wind and such yeah so you know it, it uh the, the 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 northeast wind is what really affects it the most and that's the the it can blow there's been weeks when i used to live out there that it blew 20 for like a week you know with 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 gusts and you know if i my house felt like a locomotive that i was living <laughs> in but um it doesn't you know the golf the course is sort of impervious to it because it just it, it lives within those rules and in the summer the wind you know it isn't quite as strong and it's also coming more from the southwest which is the protected side so you know the greens the, the biggest thing with bent grass greens is just that balance between wet enough and too wet mm -hmm. and that's basically all i 
that's the major thing that I'm always working with on them. Well, you're in good company because we've got bent grass greens down here and that balance between them burning to a crisp in the summer. So, so you drown them to keep them alive. But yeah, that's yeah. everybody between you and me fights that same battle. You're in good company. Okay. Um, on the front of the scorecard, it says pay, play, have a day. Uh, is there, have we, do I have a blind spot on anything Royal Chappie at this point? Is there anything else that folk, you'd like folks to know other than just to come see you and how to get there? Uh, you, you've covered the bases pretty well. Uh, I think that, um, one of the, I, I just put the have a day on the card because we, you can stay there and play for a while. And that's one of the, when pe people that are familiar with Chappie, um, there's a ferry that you have to take across. That's a, you know, like a three minute trip, but in the summer you can queue up you know, 50 cars back. Yeah. Come so you, early. You, you, yeah. So there's times you can hit it, but people don't know that they just come over blindly. They're like, wow, we waited for an hour and a half. So what I want to say is just come over there. You got over there, stay as long as you want, bring a lunch, whatever, have a day, make a day out of it. Sometimes the wives go off somewhere else or sometimes they play, but that's, you know, people should feel very welcome when they get there, no matter who they are, where they've come from or how good of a golfer they are. They should feel like they've come to a place that we're happy to see them. And if you can bottle that and sell it across the golf industry, <laughs> we're, we're going to be, even with my small commission, we'll be set up just fine. Yeah. All right. Good. Brad, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I love the Royal and ancient Chappaquiddick links. It's, people should put it on their to-do list. Um, it's worth the short ferry ride. It's worth making the plans. Um, I guess if you live in New England, Martha's Vineyard and Chappaquiddick are pretty easy to get to. Um, from the heartland, from Lexington, Kentucky, you gotta, you gotta think about it ahead of time, but it's worth the trip. Yeah, there's point. Thank you, David. It was nice talking to you and I enjoyed this. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I promise I've never edited out as much chuckling, giggling, and laughing as I did from my conversation with Brad. He was a real trooper through not only his persistent cold, but also a few nagging technological issues on my end. So Brad, thank you. I am very grateful. While a good chunk of the interview may have been tongue-in-cheek with Brad, my compliments of the course and the vibe Brad has curated there are real. I was privileged to get to play Royal Chappie this summer as part of the McKellar launch party event. It was perfect. I could have gone around 10 times that day and been perfectly happy. There were people playing barefoot. My wife walked along as my quote-unquote caddy and just had a grand time being out on the course. Royal Chappie is not the kind of place that's ever going to show up on a magazine's list of top whatever courses. But if you're someone that can believe in the spirit of the game or believes that golf is the best chance to walk with your friends for an hour or two, just doing friend things, having friend conversation while playing and hitting a few shots, then you need to get to Royal Chappie. Check out their website, Royal Chappie, that's R-O-Y-A-L-C-H-A-P-P-Y.com. The course is also on Instagram at Royal Chappie and on Twitter at Chappie Royal. Check it out, give the accounts a follow, I think you'll be glad you did. After you've checked out the course online, remember to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review for this show. Every time somebody leaves a five-star Rating and review for this here podcast, I laugh until I snort thinking of ochre-colored fairways and the fact that Royal Chappie's scorecard, the total distance of the course is 10 yards shorter than the sum of all the individual holes. That's just perfect. 
Hope you've enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, sorry, I can't help you now. And while I do promise to try to do better next time, I'm pretty sure it's a you problem at this point. Anyway, I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. Until then, pay, play, and have a day if you get the chance. And as always, when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. Not often you get to play the straight man, I imagine. Yeah, no, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) As ornery as Sir Reginald is, he's become my road trip companion. Um, (laughs) So... I enjoy take I enjoy sneaking him on places and and snapping a photo. So 